This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB, TIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Free your mind. Sex worker, and yes, it does. Sex worker, wench, vomit her mind. Listen up close while I take it backwards. Oh, guy, begins to yell at me, which I I'm not a prostitute. Sex worker, but I can give you what you want. Sex worker, damn it. Get some. Tuned in to the Vixen Hour. Sex workers setting the record straight on Australia's first gay and lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. Red Umbrella Radio. That's right, you have tuned into the Vixen Hour. The Vixen Hour is your weekly radio show that explores life issues and the world from a sex worker's perspective. This is your opportunity to challenge the stereotypes and prejudice that you may have about sex work and hear from the actual voices of sex workers ourselves. We are out loud and proud. This is the only community radio program in the world that is both publicly broadcasted directly to your radios and available online via live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live that is 100% produced and presented by sex workers turn it all discussions presented on Vixen Hour are made in the interest of community information and are not intended to induce any individual to seek employment in the sex industry. For more information in this area, we recommend individuals to get in contact with their local sex work organisation. The Vixen Hour. Everyone has an opinion about sex work. Make yours an informed one. Joy 94.9. This is the Vixen Hour. If at any time you would like to interact with the show, you can text in on 0427-JOY949 or send us an email on air at joy.org.au. Tonight we have a fantastic topic. We're talking sex work and feminisms. Yay! My host tonight is Christian, I'm Anstia, and our guests are Johanna and Jane. Hello. Hello. Jane, I understand that you've been up to some interesting things. Interesting <laughs> as in, you know, the old Chinese Enraging. proverb, may you live an interesting life. I am always up to many interesting things, but the last week has been perhaps a little bit more interesting than usual. <laughs> For people that don't know, and look, that may not be many people because it's, it's had a bit of a high profile, at least here in Victoria, there was an art exhibition called Mannerisms that opened in an ex-sex industry venue, and there was a significant level of concern, particularly from ex-workers in that venue, because of business records and sex workers' records that had been unsecured in their premises. 
I actually talk about it at length on my blog for people that want a greater level of detail. And certainly if there are any ex-workers that haven't heard about the situation in full yet, I encourage them to have a look there or contact me directly. A number of workers and myself negotiated with Street, which is the organisation, to close the art exhibition. And look... Street have actually listened to our concerns and heard what we had to say about that and that's significant for us because sex workers are often not heard when we have concerns so we are thankful for that and Street have said and I've talked to Street today about the fact that I was going to be speaking tonight on the radio they have said they are sorry for the mistakes they've made in this and they are committed to working with us as sex workers and towards fixing the situation. That's excellent news. Yeah, quite often when a community group does have some complaints to be made about certain particular Mm. projects, when people have a lot invested in that work, they feel the compulsion to continue doing that work. So the fact that they've closed down the exhibition and acknowledged Mm. the negative impact that it's had on sex workers is a really, it's quite a big step, yeah? Yeah, and look, you know, I've personally been down there and I am personally one of the sex workers that worked at that venue and so I'm talking about my records as mm. well. This is this has been something that's touched me very much personally. And, uh, yeah, I'm getting a bit... Uh, even talking about it. Understandably. But, yeah, but Street really have been invested in putting time and energy into working through this with us and... I think that it's not just a tokenistic thing. They don't just want this to go away. They are actually committed to working with sex workers in a process to get this reconciled for us. I understand that you also gave a speech at Reclaim the Night. How did that go? Again, it was an interesting night. (laughs) Look, I'm always glad to be asked to uh, to speak, and I probably get about and speak quite a bit. It was a good turnout for Acclaim the Night, and it was a good night, and Melbourne didn't rain on us, which is always a surprise and a pleasure. I had written the speech on short notice coming back into the country. I'd been over in my homeland, but I had a bit of a heckler so that's always exciting we'll probably hear more about yeah that. i think we'll tell yeah, you more about that later. a little later mm. but yeah it, it kept me on my toes which is you know mm-hmm. i don't mind that but I'll, we'll talk a bit about it later fantastic <laughs> okay johanna Hello. over to you so when we do have new sex workers on the show we do ask them a bit about themselves so i ask you johanna how would you introduce yourself that's always awkward, isn't it? Well, yeah, so my name's Johanna. Um, I've been involved in sex work for about, I guess, about three years in New Zealand and Australia in full service work and fetish and dom work. I'm currently mostly focusing on dom work, having a little break from hooking, getting a bit of the fatigue, but that's all right. I also tutor in media studies at university, various universities. And, yeah, I'm really interested in in talking a lot about sex work in a kind of broader context of Mm. capitalism and rape culture and all of that, all of that stuff. Awesome. So you've you've done, like, sex work in both New Zealand and Australia? Yeah. Do you think there's a big difference between the two? I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely worked a lot more in New Zealand, so I feel mm. a lot more kind of qualified to talk about that than, you know, I've only worked, uh, in Australia, I've only worked in Victoria also, so certainly don't have a perspective on, on any other states, but certainly it's a bit, legally speaking, easier in New Zealand than it is in Victoria. Things like mandatory health checks and 
stuff like that I've definitely found to be quite a hassle. We um, too. No, I yeah. <laughs> as I'm sure you're all painfully aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's, yeah, I think there's some stuff that's different, but I think a lot mm-hmm. of it's pretty similar. So now I've got maybe an easier question, maybe a harder <laughs> question for you. How would you define sex work for yourself? Yeah, this is a um, tradition that we have on the Vixen Hour, Mm. recognising that sex work means something different to every sex worker. So instead of trying to apply one definition to all sex Mm. workers, we do invite sex workers to, well, let us know how do they define what sex work is. Mm. I guess in a broader theoretical uh, sense, I was going to say theoretical sex, but that's probably something different. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Your academic side. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I would say that I think of sex work as being any kind of transactional sex so you know that that someone wants to refer to as sex work obviously I think is important as well I'm I'm not you know not wanting to label anything as sex work for someone who doesn't want to call it that but yeah so you know people exchanging things usually money but not only money for sex to me that's sex work I guess for me personally, sex workers mean a lot of things. I think mm-hmm. like for many people, it's meant a way to support myself. The main thing that, yeah. that it's been, certainly entirely why I started. And before you started doing sex work, did you have a different understanding of what sex work was? And has um, that sort of I think evolved? I definitely had some misconceptions. I'd been really curious about sex work for several years before I did it. I'm 25, so when I was, not always for my clients, but in this context, I'm 25. So, you know, I mean, decrim law reform went through in New Zealand when I was a teenager. And so I was kind of, I think probably that debate being played out in the media probably made me aware of, you know, some of the discussion around, around sex work that maybe I wouldn't have been if that hadn't been going on. But I think there were certain, I, I think mostly sex work was pretty much what I expected it to be. Like I yeah. wasn't, you know, certainly any notions I had about it being like, always one particular thing mm-hmm. and, and you know there being one particular kind of person who did sex work or whatever certainly all of that's been you know it was very much shattered within my first couple of weeks of work I think yeah yeah awesome oh it's going to be a really awesome show we are talking all about sex work and feminism you are with Anstia Christian Jane and Joanne it's a full studio <laughs> if at any point you'd like to join in the con- on the conversation you can do so by texting in on 0427 join 949 that's 0427 569 or sending us an email at onair at joy.org.au. It would be awesome to hear from you. I'm Dr. Brooke Mignanti, formerly known as Belle du Jour, and you're listening to The Vixen Hour on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. Whatever your taste, you'll find it weeknights on Joy 94.9. Something for everybody. You are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. And tonight we are talking about sex work and feminism. So I guess something that we should do before we get going you know, too far into uh, what we're talking about is to define feminism. Now, mm. oh, that's an absolutely huge topic. We're going to be skewing right over the high points mm-hmm. as we do some this. Some of the low points, perhaps. And some of the low points, maybe. Yeah, that's right. So I thought we'd find, I'd find out what does feminism mean to each of us. Hmm. Jane, would you like to start? Yeah, okay, absolutely. I was raised in a very traditional environment. Uh, people that know me know I come from, uh, and I don't know whether this is in, in this day and age a term I shouldn't be using, but a redneck environment. Seems right to me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I will admit to being a redneck. A small town, religious, 
upbringing and roles for women were very defined and very traditional and I resented that very tremendously and chafed against that very much Hmm. and when I left home and later went to university and encountered feminism, I anticipated that feminism was going to be a way of joining in a movement that was going to fight against those things that I had encountered. And I think I was very disappointed to find that, for me, that wasn't the case. So it, it wasn't as, I guess, embracing as you thought it would be? Yeah, on a number number of levels, absolutely mm. not. Mm. I think we might like dive into that a little bit later just to explore that topic a little bit more. But I think exploring how we, we each mm-hmm. understand feminism is a good st- starting point before we do that. So I'm going to jump in. And as a guess, as a queer, cis male identifying person, feminism's always been a bit of an interesting area because, like Jane, I sort of thought it would be this area that would be embracing of all people and to find that it isn't and is like Jane is a very disappointing thing Hmm. to encounter and I think it's and part of me sort of struggles with you know do I have to define feminism for myself do I come up with my own definition of it and as a cis male person that quite often is a challenging I guess thought process to grapple with more and more there's what I'm finding is there's a lot of people in the feminist movement or people who do identify as feminism or who sort of extol a definition of feminism that is inclusive Mm. and I think that's what stuck me around the theory of feminism (laughs) but um um, yeah, I, I do find it like I don't find it an easy thing to say that I am a feminist, mm. even though I may be completely supportive of a, a lot of the theory, a mm. lot of found, foundational theories of feminism. Yeah, I mean, no. not, not to tip off people to my age, but like this is pre-internet. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. this was when I was at university, there was a rigid wall of academia and that was feminism and there was little accessibility to really see or encounter anything else and so that was my one experience of feminism at the time. So Johanna maybe we could hear from you next. Sure Um, I think when we're talking about feminism and I think there there are two ways to approach it I think I mean I guess I'd like to touch on maybe what what we're talking about tonight and I think I guess what we're talking about is a kind of set of I know, current and historical practices and theories and movements, you know, kind of loosely connected around around ideas to do with a world free from rape and gendered violence, mm-hmm. women's reproductive rights, labour rights, that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's also important to note that, you know, feminism, I mean, it's coming up already in this discussion, that feminism and feminisms are kind of, tend to be very contested ground. I think that's really what we're talking about tonight. What, what is feminism? That's what the conflict between, say, uh, people who would like their feminism and their feminist practice to be not racist and not transphobic mm. and stuff are coming up against when they're arguing with, with radical feminists, mm. self-identified radical feminists who, you know, about a whole lot of transphobic or anti-sex worker or, you know, frequently, like, racist as well stuff. Um, I think that 
But I think it's also really worth noting that actually in the history of kind of various feminist movements and, and practices and stuff have actually been very much informed by people of colour, by queer people, by trans people, by sex workers, you know, like, yeah, I think we should be wary of giving that ground over entirely to... Yeah. But I guess for me, when I think about my relationship to feminism, and I, I go back and forth with whether I want to call myself a feminist or not, I guess I, at this point I would say that I'm I'm certainly someone who is invested in, in, in certain feminist projects and mm. you know some of the political proje- uh, projects that, that feminism has traditionally been connected to. For me, I'm talking about a kind of, I think, most importantly, a collection of like theories and practice. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, being a feminist shouldn't be something someone writes on their like about me description on Twitter or whatever. It just, you know, it should also inform people's actual practices. Yeah. And, and for me, for something to be feminism, for it to be something I'm interested in, it needs to be, you know, I'm interested in an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, mm-hmm. queer-inclusive, trans-inclusive, non-ableist, sex-worker-inclusive, you know, feminism. That, that's mm. what that means to me. Yeah. Do you think you're quite active... I was going to say at an academic level, but you, I mean, you, you. That's what I tell people anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you think feminism sort of, it kind of exists amongst theorists or yeah. in, in the academic world? Do you think it, there's a, like, I, sometimes I perceive there to be like a big gulf between how it exists in theory or in the academic world and how it exists in people's everyday lives? I think a lot of, a lot of the stuff that is talked about in academic feminism are, are based on practices and histories that mm-hmm. have come from people from outside side of, of academic institutions that's often made a bit invisible when you know when stuff becomes I guess more entrenched in kind of elite institutions and stuff but yeah I think that unfortunately there often is a big gulf there but I don't think it's because mm. there's actually a gulf between I don't know on the ground communities and working class communities or whatever and mm. and feminism because it actually tends to be where a lot of really interesting work that I think his feminist work is happening. I suppose I think a lot of that golf is mm. w- what we were talking about before when people feel like they're not included in, in yeah. feminism. So. Well, I think feminism has historic, you know, different kinds of um, feminist spaces and feminist movements and stuff have historically had and currently have had and, and still have a huge number of problems around <laughs> around who gets to be at the table, you know, mm-hmm. about who's there and who's actually included and who's, you know, who's included in theory. Because we know that, you know, we know from sex worker exclusionary radical feminists and uh, trans exclusionary feminists that, you know, sometimes that will be clearly stated that you're not included. Mm. But also, like, you know, feminist bases and movements that seek to talk the talk of, of inclusivity and involving people will often still be spaces that feel hostile for, for various marginalised people. So mm-hmm. hostile for people of colour or feel hostile for trans people. Or, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's a really big problem. Yeah. Um, obviously. You mentioned radical feminists, um, but yes. I mean, yeah. and th- there is, Just, yeah. I'm sorry, sex work exclusionary, fe- swerf. <laughs> Swerfs and turfs. Swerfs and turfs, yeah. so sex work exclusionary. We say rad fems often, right? That's often the, you know, sex workers yeah. will be used to saying, mm. yeah. So swerf is sex work exclusionary radical feminists and yep. turf is I believe so. trans yep. exclusionary radical feminists. There is a number of theoretical approaches that inform that framework that are reasons, I guess, why that they exclude sex work. Yeah, I mean, look, I want to make a statement in regard to this because I think I really have some strong feelings around people positioning this as a point of view. Sex work exclusionary feminism, anti-sex work feminism it's not a point of view. It is hate speech. The the idea that people want to position this as if it gets, to borrow Johanna's phrase, equal room at the table. 
with other points of view. Unless people are going to make the same argument that other hate speech against other marginalised groups starts to get equal room at the table. Fortunately, there are people who make that argument. Yeah, and there are people that make that (laughs) argument, and I I would speak out as strongly against Mm. them because it is equally wrong. Mm. It is hate speech. It is hate speech against my community. Yeah. Just as transphobia is hate speech against trans community, and often these things go hand in hand, it is not a point of view. People that believe that I do not have the right to work, people that believe that I do not have bodily autonomy, that believe that I do not, you know, that I have false consciousness, which is an offensive, abusive Mm. concept, Mm -hmm. you know, that I do not know my own mind or have the right to know my own mind. This is hate speech. It is hate speech against my community. It is hate speech against me. Yeah. And, and I think certainly the GLBTI community can identify a lot with that when, you know, um, you have sort of like conservative Christian extremists who want to present their views hmm. as, uh, as valid to like a number of human rights debates that are happening in this country at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So there are a number of examples of, I guess, hate speech that um, feminist theories have sort of put forward. And I guess one of the traditional ones that has been around for a very long time is this theory that all sex work is violence against women. Yeah. And I mean, I think that interesting is the wrong word, probably, but I think it's an example of. I mean, you were just saying there are reasons, you know, that mm. we can agree that this is incorrect, but obviously there's some kind of rationale here that's, you know, there, there are, there's a lot in play here that's led to that being a thing. And I always just think it's terrible analysis, mostly. Mm-hmm. I think it's an attempt to explain and create a framework for resisting something which is really true, which is, you know, which is rape culture, which is that women and trans people in particular are really vulnerable to sexual violence and that mm-hmm. that's a you know systemic problem i think it's that part of the equation they've got right but then the, the, the answer that, that you know the answer that sex work and individual sex workers are somehow a source of that just seems like kind of like bad science to me like, mm. yeah and it's interesting because it, it also you know, if you tr- i mean leaving aside all the reasons why it's a horribly offensive if you kind of look at the analysis there it doesn't really add up like it doesn't yeah and, and certainly like it also makes the assumption that all sex workers are women yes it's um, also really problematic mm. Mm. And, and it's like you know if i'm a male sex worker how is this how is and i only see male clients um mm. how is this violence against women it, it, it i kind of i don't I haven't found someone who could explain that to me. I think another theory that often gets trotted out is that sex work is a result of patriarchy. Mm. And again, to follow on from what you've said, Christian, that in itself also invisibilizes male and trans Mm. sex workers. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, radical um, or exclusionary feminism does that it seeks to make it an argument that's a very binary argument and in doing so it invisibilizes male and trans sex workers as Mm. if they're not there as if they don't exist which is again a hateful thing to try and invisibilize people yeah it's 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 certainly not a it doesn't support the human rights of those people it also says it, it says that you know sex work is a result of capitalism or exploitation or the corporatization of a lot of services and like it's not true because certainly sex work has occurred in places and cultures and in periods throughout history when those things didn't even exist 
obviously sex work as it, as it exists today and, and you know various sex industries and stuff of course are, are part of and, and, and to some extent determined by capitalism because we live in a capitalist society mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that sex work should be treated as something unique from all other forms of work in that regard and yeah. that certainly people including people invested in like feminist analysis of work wouldn't usually argue that the answer to an exploitative form of work is to eradicate it, mm. uh, but, you know, before <laughs> before eradicating all of the rest of capitalism. It's a stupid, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, if that's the case because of capitalism, why do we have to go first? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and I mean, personally, this is controversial in a conversation for another day, but I always, I don't know, I, I don't think that sex work Mm. Would would cease to exist um, after capitalism anyway? Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. This conversation could go on forever. You are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy ninety four point nine. You're with Anthea, Christian, Chain, and Johanna. We have to go to some messages now, but we'll be right back. Joy ninety four point nine, bringing you the best news and views all week long. You're listening to the Vixen Hour. Enjoy 94.9. Welcome back. You're with Christian, Anstia, Jane and Johanna. And we're talking about feminisms and sex work on the Vixen Hour tonight. We're going to talk a bit more about Reclaim the Night, which we referred to earlier on in the program. Reclaim the Night is all about supporting women who are survivors of sexual assault and violence, and it also provides a forum for other members of the community to show their support to such women. Jane, you spoke at that. Yes, I, I was I was talking earlier about um, the joy of being heckled. Um, <laughs> which obviously is awesome. Well, um, fortunately, you're going to read us a little bit of that speech and we're not. there won't be any hecklers tonight. We could, no, though, if you, wanted, oh, if you wanted like a reconstruction. That would be awesome. We'll have a live reenactment. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was saying... I won't, I won't do that. I was joking. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I can make oh, you, you You've got me all G'd up for it. Yeah, sorry. I was saying I did actually answer the heckler. Look, for people that are interested, you, you know, you do, you do get heckled um, speaking at live events, obviously, from time to time. So I'm not unused to that happening. But it was, I think, I perceived it as potentially being um, a, uh, a red femme heckler. But the person actually shouted out, get some self-respect. So it's original. <laughs> <laughs> so I answered, because I always answer hecklers from the mic, I just answered, I have plenty of self-respect, thank you, and kept on going with my speech. Which you also seem polite. To, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, you also seem to have a lot of self-restraint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, and look, there was a lot of commentary on Facebook about it, um, on the Reclaim the Night Facebook space about that, which unfortunately blew up into a big thing between anti-sex work or rad femme. Exclusionary, Jerks, I call them. Yeah, exclusionary <laughs> feminists and sex workers, and it got to be quite a big thing. Mm-hmm. So the thing I would say to that is I don't think hate speech should be tolerated, and I th- don't think it should be tolerated in, in any space, and particularly in a space that is a, a safer space for sex workers or for any marginalised community. I can't say that strongly enough, but I will read from an excerpt from my speech from Saturday night. This is an excerpt that I think has particular relevance to that. I am a sex worker. I want to make that clear. From media coverage in Victoria, another word might seem all too common. You might be tempted to use the term prostitute. 
The Victorian media seemed fond of this term until a backlash following the death of sex worker Tracy Connolly caused a brief period of humanity. I often get asked why sex workers care so much about that word. I do not want to be called prostitute because it is an abusive term. It is denigratory to my peers and to me. It is whorephobic. The following organisations recommend you use the term sex worker. The United Nations. The World Health Organisation. The Scarlet Alliance, Australia's National Sex Worker Organisation. Vixen Collective, the Victorian Pair-Only Sex Worker Organisation. The Victorian Government actually changed sex industry legislation in Victoria to read sex work. But still, the media won't get it right. I say won't. There has been plenty of time to catch up to the language. But the Victorian media won't get it right because prostitute makes a better headline. Wow, that's really powerful stuff. It's certainly powerful to sex worker community every time the Victorian media gets it wrong. Mm. And I think certainly social media has provided the opportunity for a lot of sex workers to make a stand against, you know, just a basic lack of respect. That, that and to explain why that term upsets people so mm. much. Mm. And it is, it is, it's a constant job that we have to do on Twitter, hey. Yeah. Mm. So... Reclaim the Night has had a bit of a patchy history with supporting sex workers. So for people who aren't aware, Reclaim the Night started in 1975 in Philadelphia when a woman was walking home and was um, was brutally murdered um, just a, a block from where she lived. And Reclaim the Night was sort of a stand against, you know, violence against women. And there's there's a march that happens um, in significant places in, in cities all throughout the world and um, this year it happened on Sydney Road. That's right. Mm-hmm. And look, Reclaim the Night here in Melbourne have made an effort to include sex workers and to include myself as a sex worker speaker and to make Reclaim the Night here in Melbourne a safer space for sex workers and for trans people and to include us in their safer spaces policy mm-hmm. and that's an, a positive step forward and I think that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, no, absolutely and it's certainly not a step that has happened in the past. Um, other Reclaim the Nights have actually victimised sex workers where participants have passed sex work premises and um, mm. not been entirely supportive. Yeah, and look, I spoke to uh, sex workers, including sex workers uh, where I work at the moment, about the fact that I was going to be speaking at Reclaim the Night and one of the sex workers that I spoke to said that they had attended a previous Reclaim the Night and their experience was so negative because Mm. of how people at Reclaim the Night previously had acted around sex work venues that they would never attend another Reclaim the Night. So I think you can't discount how deeply these things affect us Mm -hmm. as sex workers in the sex worker community when people commit acts of whorephobia at these events. Speaking of negative experiences and whorephobia, <laughs> we're Yay. going to move on to going to move on to another conference uh, to a conference that 
that um, you attended in May 2011, uh, the Feminist Futures Conference, at which you also gave a speech? Yes, absolutely. Look, I think Feminist Futures 2011, I've heard it referred to as as our RADFEM 2013, and I don't <laughs> think that's entirely out of place. It was certainly a, a pivotal moment for sex workers in feminism, hmm. interacting in feminist spaces in Australia. So I participated in a workshop that sex workers were running in that space. And to give a bit of context, the workshop was being held in the conference space and the conference itself had had an event where um, radical feminists had refused to participate and split off and actually were having a breakaway conference. Mm. Only they um, always do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was a breakaway conference being held in the same... <laughs> in the same street so that was awesome and that made it a very hostile space there was like protest um, the cost, the conference space itself was so hostile to sex workers that we had a, the FIFE team, the mm. Feminism is for Everyone, sex workers and allies in safety vests, mm-hmm. escorting us around and providing a safe space, which our, this, our safe space was in a pagoda on a traffic island outside of the <laughs> conference space because we couldn't have a safe space in the conference. So I think yeah. that says something. I, I was a part of, part of that initiative, the Feminism is for Everyone initiative and it was it, it was acknowledging that you know conference organizers weren't going to give like the conference itself wasn't a safe space for not only sex workers but trans people and a lot yeah, of people absolutely. Who, who were um, being excluded by um, exclusionary radical feminists so we took it upon ourselves to say okay fine if you're not going to give us a safe space we will make a safe space and mm. we will provide people who would rather promote a more inclusive form of feminism that's why they wore um, that's why we wore yellow safety vests as a way of saying look we are safe people because we want feminism to include everybody and um, look we relied on the five people it's not like they were a token effort like we absolutely relied on them to escort us through the conference space and to utilize that safe space the conference organizers did not prevent whorephobic or transphobic speech within the conference space or from the main speakers so I just I cannot explain um, how Hostile that space was. It really was something you had to be there for. So within that space, we were doing a workshop and there were four of us speaking at the workshop, making short speeches. And at the time that we were doing the workshop, people in opposition to our workshop... Mm-hmm had assembled about 25 people opposing our workshop and they were about 20 or 30 feet away on the other side of the workshop space and they were staring us down. So so that was the environment in which I was giving this speech. So it's called Feminism Within Sex Work Using I Statements, a self-determined analysis of our work. I have control within my body. I do not sell my body. I sell my attention span for finite units of time. There are boundaries within that exchange. I set all of the boundaries. I decide on the how, when, and where of my work. I decide on the content, context, and nature of my work. The major impacts that constrain this, that interfere with my right 
to self-determine my working environment, which is essentially my right to sexual expression within a transactional setting, is state intervention in the form of police and regulatory authorities with the harassment and corruption I have come to expect of them, and whorephobia, the bigotry, which, when engaged with, especially en masse, makes those who deal in it feel validated in silencing sex worker voices and perpetuating continuing bigotry and oppression. I am financially independent and self-directed in my life. My sex work has allowed me to live my life the way I have wanted to live it, on my own terms, to pursue higher education, to value and spend time with my logical family, to live out the substance and texture of my dreams, to be politically active and advocate for sex workers, to listen to and raise the voices of my peers, to government and to you here today. The power gained through defending my rights and defining my boundaries as a sex worker inform me and in other work and life decisions. The skills I have around negotiation, assertiveness and boundary setting have been beyond valuable during my life. That I learned them in a setting where they were essential to both my safety and my income has only made them sharper and more useful. My body is my business. Sex workers are making their own decisions about their own bodies. Every sex act I choose to engage in is consensual. In fact, I have thought about it so far in advance that to think otherwise would be absurd. This is work. It may not fit into nine to five or any other neat box, but this is work. This is my work. Let me make this clear. I like my job. Any negative impacts from my sex work, any abuse that I suffer, comes from the stigmatization and vilification informed by people who believe that I do not have the basic human right to A, have that job, or B, enjoy that right. That is called whorephobia. Amazing, powerful stuff. We do have to go to some messages now, and we'll talk more about that. You're in the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. A voice for sex workers. The Vixen Hour on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9, bringing you the best news and views all week long. You're in the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. You're with Anstia, Christian, Jane and Johanna. We have received a number of text messages. Sorry, it's taken us a while to get through to them. So, good evening, Vixen Hour hookers. Happy Vixen Hour. Lots of love from Far North Queensland. And they haven't left their name, but that's 052. Thanks for your message, Far North Queensland. Now, Jane, there was somebody who just caught the end of what you were talking about with regards to the art exhibition at a venue. We will be posting links to your blog on our Facebook page so if people want to like our facebook page they'll find links to that blog post there is that okay yes that's absolutely fine <laughs> so that is vixen's the vixen hour facebook page is facebook.com forward slash sex worker radio you'll find posts about our podcast what's coming up in the next show and links to show content like what jane was talking about earlier so links to her blog johanna we love you you sound great girl thank Yay. you whoever you are <laughs> 032 <laughs> 
thanks for your message. And we did have one question. Great discussion. What are your thoughts on media, Mia Friedman's comments about rape in her blog that it initiated a lot of controversy on Twitter? And that's from Anonymous Texter 317. Just the mention of her name makes me anxious. Oh, I know. Uh, She's not really our friend, is she? <laughs> She's anybody's friend. Mm. Look, I... Do we want to say what the... Yeah, like... The comments, when I read them, seem to be centred around people, women drinking alcohol and mm. Mia Friedman attributing that to increased risk, and I'm, I'm using her terms there. She said that there was a clear relationship between between alcohol and intox- between intoxication and, and sexual assault for both victim and perpetrator, yeah. and that's the mm. advice she'd give to her daughter. Yeah, and look, that to me is <laughs> is just victim blaming. I, I don't think I don't think you can dance around that. No. I think I think it's an entirely problematic statement on her part. I think she should take responsibility for having said yet another fucked thing. Mm. I don't think maybe we, she should just stop saying things for a while. Yeah. That's my vote. I, I don't. <laughs> just, I just yeah. quiet up for a little while. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Johanna on that. Like, I don't think we expect anything different from Mia Friedman. But but, but look, there you have it. Sad. <laughs> yeah. I know. You are in the Vixen Hour here on Joy ninety four point nine. Before those messages, we were talking about. About Jane, you made a speech at the Feminist Futures Conference and we're looking at sort of feminism um, as potentially a sex work exclusionary framework and I, I think examples of that can be, we, we talk about those as or, examples. Or feminist spaces tending to function in that way. Mm. Because, and, and that yeah. those, I guess, ideals do equate to hate speech against sex workers. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's not all sex work, I guess. There are sort of ways to be a lot more inclusive and supportive of sex workers. Do you think it, it's possible for feminism to have that space that is supportive of sex workers? I think that there are feminist spaces that, you know, there are feminist spaces and and feminist practices and theories that are inclusive of sex workers. There are, you know, plenty of sex workers who identify as feminists who certainly are interested in being, you know, Mm. inclusive of other sex workers. I think it's certainly possible. I think it would be, so obviously it's, I guess it's, time will tell whether whether the effect of, of, you know, like transphobic anti-sex worker feminism and a lot of the other crap that comes with that is that a lot of people just abandon the term altogether. Certainly I know a lot of sex workers who... There are a lot of people from a lot of marginalised groups who choose not to use yeah. the term feminist because of the, you know, quite understandably because of the kind of abuse that they've suffered from mm. from people who, who loudly identify as feminists. And we were but having a chat... Yeah, yeah, we were having a chat off here before about how the Empower Foundation, there's quite a number of people there who, mm. who, who outwardly reject the term feminist. Yeah, Empower in Thailand. Mm. Yeah. Because in their country, feminists are seen as people who are trying to rescue them from sex work. Yeah, tend to be... Yeah, certainly had plenty of experiences of, of yeah, of um, condescending white women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, telling them how to live their lives in ways that involve them being arrested and deported, mm. which is a great way to help someone. And certainly previously on the Vixen Hour, we had spoken to Dr. Brooke Magnanti, who, had, who has said that she doesn't identify as a feminist. Um, and that was because she was working towards promoting the rights of sex workers. And that was that was a big enough job without trying to fight her way into the club of being accepted into feminism. I, I personally feel like I don't want to. You know, I, I said earlier that I feel like it's a really contested term. Mm. There's a real there's a real struggle in play over, you know, as is often the case over terms like feminist. And I'm not personally ready to give it over to, mm. to bigots, essentially. Mm. And I guess... 
I would probably say to people, because obviously there are plenty of people in discussions about feminism who probably wouldn't identify as a radical feminist, but find themselves saying things that are, you know, anti-sex worker. And I guess I would encourage those people to probably just look a little bit harder at who they're throwing their lot in with mm. when they, mm. when they you know, unquestionably take those ideas on, because... Do you want to be on on Kathy Brennan's side? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Me and side. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I I find for me, and coming from maybe. A, a longer history with this I hate to say the word but from my age as well I was going to say do you just mean you're older yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the terrible thing to admit but I think I am hesitant to I, don't, I think I'd be hesitant to claim the word feminist in terms of personal struggle even though a lot of the struggles that mm. I have play out over feminist spaces yeah because a lot of the things that I am fighting for, the fight is just so immediate. The fight is just so personal to me and I've got so much bigger things to be dealing with. The fights that I've had play out over the, the, the last week, mm. and the last week has seemed like a year to mm. me. Can be. Um, the, I, I can't believe I actually managed to fit three days of actual sex work in, <laughs> which, look, I, I actually had to do so that I can do things like buy food other yeah, than toast. And surviving the stigma uh, as a full-time job. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, and living as a sex worker as a full-time job, let alone fighting the political struggles we fight. I don't have time to work out whether or not I want to be a feminist. But I think the thing that, that I find in common with the arguments about feminism is arguments about the spaces we inhabit and about things like inclusivity. But I think the arguments about that that I think are important is regardless of who we include or exclude, there are still power dynamics at work and mm. there is still privilege at work mm. yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that needs to be acknowledged because those are the things that remain enduringly important to marginalised groups regardless of who is included yeah. or excluded from those spaces Exactly, in our organising, whether it's as, as people identifying as feminists or sex workers or whatever, we do have to be aware of our spaces aren't safe just because we declare them as such. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You are on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. You're with Anstia, Christian, Jane and Johanna. Uh, we'll be back after these messages to say goodnight. I'm Dr. Brooke Mignanti, formerly known as Belle du Jour, and you're listening to the Vixen Hour on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. It's four minutes to ten o'clock. Oh, my God. It's the end of the show. That's fast. So, Johanna, where can people find... I mean, you're involved in a number of projects, but you also um, contribute to an online blog. I'm currently having a little bit of a break from it, but I do... I'm involved with... um, com. Amazing. Um, which is mostly a US-based group blog run entirely by and for sex workers. Are currently seeking new contributors, always looking for new submissions, particularly interested in, while we're talking about inclusivity and making the blog less white, yeah. um, uh, less cis woman dominated. Yeah. So, and also... Also, definitely interested in voices from from Australia and, and other parts of the world other than the US. So, if anybody's interested in in contributing and you're a sex worker of, of any kind, then fantastic. Yeah, we might that. put a link to yeah. Tits and Sass on our blog. Um, yeah, no, awesome. It sounds exciting. And Jane, you're, did you want to plug your blog as well? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a good blog. Awesome. Um, well, I am 
easy to find. Um, you can either go to sexliesducttape.wordpress.com or you can just Google Jane Green sex worker and apparently I came I come up now because of the number of hits I've got <laughs> from the whole mannerisms fiasco. Awesome. So, you are Google famous. Yeah. Finally, some recognition. I'd like to think I'm Google infamous, actually. <laughs> uh, next week on the Vixen Hour, we do have a super, super exciting show. We have... Um, one of the iconic queer pornographers who sort of who coined the term queer pornography, queer porn, um, Courtney Trouble will be in the studio mm. and we'll be interviewing her live. So, yay, tune in for that. Super exciting. And so, yeah, thank you for being here tonight and doing the panel. You've been awesome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jane. Thank you, Johanna. Mm, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Have a good night. We'll catch you next Monday at 9pm. Joy 94.9 is a GLB TIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.